This program is paid for by itswhereiam.com. The content of this program does not reflect the values or opinions of 91.5 KUNV or the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Good morning, Las Vegas. It's Zandra Pollard with It's Where I Am. This show is sponsored in part by Coast to Coast Coffee. Um, I want to thank my guest for being here today. I have Nicole Dees, who is a very good friend of mine for over years. And also Dr. Giddings White, who is one of my favorite mental health professionals, is on the show. She's been on a few times before, and she's so great. I wanted to invite her back on today. So thank you both ladies for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I asked Nicole to come on to the show today because we've been friends for so many years and she is just going through so much. My friend of these few decades became blind with a visual impairment later in life. And while she was going through that journey, she decided to have a baby. So, Nicole, tell us when did this start for you? Like, when did you realize that you were losing your vision? Well, <clears throat> I was having slight issues bumping into open doors and such back in 2007. And with multiple doctor visits, I was finally met a proper doctor to diagnose me with my retinitis pigmentosa. And that was in February of 2008. Mm -hmm. And with that, he directed me to a retinal specialist that gave me some tools for my eyes to try to prolong my vision as long as it, you know, as long as I could have it. And eventually in 2016, Mm -hmm. I lost my vision completely. Okay. So when did you have Addison? I had Addison in 2010. Okay, so you had her right before we had that big party. <laughs> well, we had the pineapple upside down drinks. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Okay, and we had so much fun. And I don't even know if I knew. Actually, during that trip is when I found out that you were losing your... Um, a little vision at that time, uh-huh. um, but I completely went blind in 2016. And so after you had Addison in 2010... Yes. There was an issue with Addison and epilepsy, right? Yes. She, um, at five months old, she had her first epileptic seizure. Okay. Which was extremely scary. Sure. Um, when, when you're um, a new mom and an older mom, you don't know what is happening, you know, especially when everyone around you appears to be traditional. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Addison's epileptic seizures, you know, it was just, a new lesson, you know, something to learn, you know, something to learn and something to um, understand. And I was talking with many doctors. We had the best help with um, Barrels Medical Center and okay. Phoenix Children's Hospital with all the testing that we can get and to find out where the brain was creating the seizure. 
and how to handle it. And now I can gladly say she has been seizure-free for about seven years. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. But with that, with the seizures, mm-hmm. um, brought a diagnosis of autism. Okay. Which is a delayed um, learning. Wow. So going back to the epileptic seizure, how did you know? Was someone with you or were well, you totally I could alone? Still, I, could still, I had vision at the time. Okay. And um, her, her movement and eye rolling, eyes rolling to the back of her head, her arms are flaring. Mm-hmm. And that just isn't normal. You know, that isn't normal for anyone to do. Mm-hmm. And let let alone a five month old baby who can't communicate. Sure. So um, <laughs> so you you react quickly, mm-hmm. and you um, we just had to take charge and do what was necessary. I know. Getting back to you and your visual impairment, um, you first told me about it in two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. So, and with that, for these the years since then. You know, we talk on the phone quite often. And, um, you know, I know that you are battling off and on with some depression. And I don't know if you are seeing a therapist or are you thinking about seeing one? What's going on with that? Well, with the help of my my mother, we are in research. And because the state of the world, there's a lot of people that are dealing with depression and outside of other issues. So we're kind of been running into lately no more patients being taken or my insurance doesn't qualify me to use that service or they don't accept my insurance so it's been um it's been trying but we we're still going on looking for something what well, yeah, for someone I, for know, someone to give me some um some tools to work with losing my vision i lost my vision i was 45 years old yes and it took away my complete independence i um Stop diving. I need help with everything. Enrolling with the blind school has been challenging. The, mm-hmm. the process is, is extremely tedious. And and then you have a child with special needs. And then I have a child with special needs, yes. But I also have a village that is very loving and extremely supportive and strong. So I'm very lucky for that. I'm yes. extremely lucky for my family and my friends. Yes. And, and, mo- and my mom. Dr. Kiddings, I want you to chime in here now and... I know there's very few resources for people with visual impairments, even here in Nevada. I know we have Angela's House that helps people to become more independent. And then there's the Blind Center. But I'd like for you to talk to us more about the autism spectrum. So we touched on multiple factors and uh, depression uh, as one of the factors we talked about. We talked about access to care. Because that's big. People identify they have depressive issues and they want the help, but the access is not there. And, and people think access is not having insurance or not having... No, access is the ability to get the services that you need. Okay. So um, we've before the pandemic, we've had low access to mental health care because of decreased funding, because of the racial uh, population to provider. It's just different factors that affected access. But now with the pandemic, demand has even grow, has grown even more. So the access has decreased. Um, so I, I used to tell students, you know, putting a hospital in a community doesn't create, it, it the, creates availability, but the access isn't there if the person doesn't have what it takes to get in the front door. Yes. So 
So one of the things we need to address is access. And, and um, forgive me, I didn't introduce myself. So I'm Dr. Michelle Giddings, but I'm not an MD. I like to clarify that. I'm a board-certified psychiatric nurse practitioner practicing mental health in the Las Vegas community at Peaceful Mind Psychiatric Center. And I treat individuals across the lifespan with a variety of mental health um, conditions. And I know access is a problem because sometimes people call in to talk to me and my schedule is booked. And sometimes I find myself working beyond office hours. My clients have my cell phone number and I'll have text messages, which should be a visit, but it's a text message. But it's giving them access because, you know, we need to do everything we could to create access. In terms of autism, what do you want me to say about autism? Autism is a, a developmental um, disorder that affects it, it just like mental health just no uh, criteria for a person's getting autism we still don't there's no specific cause identified for autism and there's no medical test for autism so autism is still under research in a lot of areas um, we know specific things about autism that it's you could identify it early in childhood based on uh, meeting certain developmental milestones. But then there's also kids that tend to be meeting the milestones and you see a regression as they get a little bit older. So it's picked up in a lot of the behavioral um, things that we observe in children. Around what age, Dr. Giddings, is is it going to be identified? Is it three or? They could identify it pretty early, but usually around the preschool, the preschool areas okay so parents that work with their kids three years old they're supposed to be meeting certain milestones and you know they're not it it really affects um social uh interactions mm-hmm. and you would see things like repetitive behaviors um and emotional it, it also affects emotional interaction and i work with a lot of um, children and adults with autism and one of the things people say, well, they, they don't have emotions. They don't respond to different things. Their brain works differently. So they do respond, but they have sensory issues. And if we were to be sensitive to think that, okay, we have sensory issues. When we feel things, we respond a certain way. But imagine having a heightened sensory issue to the point where somebody's arguing and you're like, oh my gosh, or oh, the TV's loud. You're like, turn the TV down. Imagine working in a world where you have a heightened sensory, uh, uh, sensory, sense of sensory things, hearing, you know, noises is something that affects them a lot. So you walk into a room and it's loud, full of people. They're all talking loudly. Someone with autism cannot tolerate that. So they tend to pull away. They tend to be more isolated. Stimuli, when it's increased, increases the set their senses. And they can't tolerate it that much. So this, when a kid is having a tantrum, people say, oh, they're misbehaving. No, look around okay. and try to adapt their world so they'll feel more safe and comfortable in that comfortable. world. And I think yeah. that's what we're missing in having empathy that they're dealing with things that we, some of us don't understand what it feels like, but we could try to adapt to what we know about autism at this point. This is something I don't know I wanted to ask you. Do people with autism or children in particular with autism, do, are, do they take medication? 
Yeah, med, uh, medication is not a treatment for autism itself because autism, you can't, we can't treat it. We treat behaviors associated with autism. Okay. I, when someone comes into me and says, my, you know, my kid has autism and I need treatment or they're not sure, they see behaviors, I would rule out autism. And if I feel like, yes, it's, it sounds like it's on the spectrum, I would say, um, presumptive autism, but I work with other people in the community, um, neuropsychologists, psychologists, and I'll send them for a neuropsychological testing to get a definitive diagnosis because it's a spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. It presents differently in different people. Mm -hmm. So this testing that we could do to to actually identify it in different things, because you would look at someone and say, well, this might be autism. They do testing and it's like, no, they're testing above the autism spectrum. They really don't meet all the criteria. So it's a broad spectrum. So um, medication, when we see, like I just said, it, it affects social and emotional. It's the emotional part of it that we really look at and try to treat the behaviors, the, the explosiveness, the irritability, the anxiety, because some of that explosiveness that happens when they get increased stimulation could actually lead to self-harming things. Oh, wow. Like they'll hit themselves, they'll bang themselves, they'll bite themselves, and all to decrease that overstimulation that they feel it. Is some of that due to um, not being able to communicate? A lot of it is not being able to communicate and society not understanding, you know, the cues. Because people with autism a lot of times do not recognize social cues. That's why we have to be concerned if an adult with autism goes into somewhere and they do something in a store that's not socially acceptable and someone comes up to them and tries to, you know, get in their face and put that back and, do, and, and it's increasing stimulation and, right. they don't, and this, they don't respond well to those type of social cues. So they may respond with agitation and throwing that thing away or doing something with it that leads to them being arrested and you know, beaten because they don't know how to respond to, you know, authority. Yes. So it, it just forms a spiral. So there's so much that we need to learn as a, as a community to live with people with on the spectrum yes. because now the new statistics are showing one in 59 kids are being diagnosed with autism. So we have to adapt. So cultural competency is extra importante, Dr. Giddings. You have about three minutes because I know I thank you so much for giving me your time. I'm sorry we started a little late. You need me to. I think I have like 10 minutes, actually. Oh, okay. Well, you're more than welcome to stay. I just wanted to make sure that you gave all of your handles for the people because you are excellent, well, just so knowledgeable. And I just really appreciate you being here again. If you want to tell the name of your agency again and how they can reach you. Yeah, it's Peaceful Mind Psychiatric Services, and we're at 112 South Jones Boulevard, and our telephone number is 702-909-4600. And I think one of the messages I really want to get out, if I don't get the opportunity to say it again, is if you identify things in your child that you question whether this is normal or not, have them evaluated because early intervention sets them up for better functioning in the future. And it doesn't have to be medication. The uh, question was, do you medicate people? Yes, we do. But the first step is usually therapy. And we know what works okay. is 
therapy to help them with socialization, therapy to help with speech, because there's, there's problems with speech and communication. Mm-hmm. So behavior, occupational therapy, teaching them how to do things in the environment, how to, re- you know, how to respond in certain situations. So therapy plays a major role. And like I said, medications has a part in it, but it's for those individuals that are actually experiencing severe emotional problems. It doesn't have to be severe, but but emotional problems that's affecting their ability to function also with the autism. So just don't throw medication at them. Make sure you get an evaluation. Well, from- and, and that's why I, I end up getting a lot of kids with autism because I, I take time educating the mom. I give them information that they could educate their families. Yes. So the expectation for this child is not is is they have a, a proper understanding of what's happening. So the expectation isn't that you could put pressures on this child or or you know put them in situations and then criticize them when they don't function the way you expect them to. Right. Wow. And so if you missed any of that information that Dr. Giddings provided about psychiatric services, you can still find it. On my website, she's always there because that's how much I love her. Go, You can go to itswhereiam.com. You can find Dr. Giddings White there. And you can simply click on the link from the site and you'll get right to her website. Okay? And and with the depression we talked about, um, Nick, give me the names, Nicole. Nicole? Yes. yes. With the depression you talk about, Nicole, um, call the office because um, sometimes we... we we do take a lot of insurances. We do take cash and we don't offer sliding scale, but the, it, depending on the patient and what they're presenting with. And if it's a level of emergency that we need to get someone in, they can't get in. We'll, we'll tell you, go to the, we'll send you to the emergency room. We'll send you places where you could get it. Or we'll try to accommodate you and see how we could meet your needs. My appointments are a little bit out now, of course, because we talked about demand. But sometimes we have reschedules or cancellations. And if we have you scheduled for an appointment in a month and something happens, we may call you and say, hey, Dr. Giddings wants to know if you can move up to this week because there was a cancellation this week. So because you call the office and they say she doesn't have anything for the next four weeks, doesn't mean that you can't see me before that time. Okay. Okay. Now, I have a question about that. Now, Nicole lives in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Is she able to do the telehealth? Well, not at this time. It's something we're looking into, but I'm licensed to practice in the state of Nevada. So as my clients are in Nevada, whether it's rural, I see people in Reno, once you're in Nevada, it's a little difficult to do Arizona, but we're looking at expanding the area since telehealth is, you know, is a growing platform that allows increased access. So it's something yes. we're looking at right now. As you know, we're a young business. We just started... I just started um, this practice three years ago after working in the community at the university, the state hospital, everywhere else. So, yeah, we're looking into that. So at some point, you will be able to. Okay. Same goes in Arizona. If someone says they don't have an appointment right away, you could take whatever they have and tell them if there's a cancellation and they could please call you. Awesome. So I'm glad Dr. Giddings is always willing to help, even though she's super busy. She still extends herself. So we thank you for that. And our community and hopefully one day you know sounds like she may be able to uh, help you also and your family Nicole now let's talk about your support system okay so your mom she helps with the baby and gets her 
or not the baby, your young child. She's 10. My daughter's 10. Helps to get her to her um, to school and picks her up or does she catch the bus? How does that work? Well, my mother is um, a great advocate with Addison concerning with the day-to-day activities and Addison's therapies as well. Like um, the doctor mentioned, therapy is great for Addison with her sensory and communication and also feeding because with autism, the kids tend to just only want to eat one type of food. You know, it's, it isn't often where a child with autism wants to is diving into a, a buffet of food. Right. So what's what's our favorite food? What's her favorite food? Fish and rice. Okay. Fried fried fish and rice. <laughs> well, it's got. I know. I knew it was fried when it came to you. <gasps> fried fish and rice, and she loves tacos and bacon and sausage. You know, most breakfast foods like that. But my mother definitely um, supports me. The reason why Addison has her therapies gotten to where she is is because of my mother. You know, um, and we never stopped fighting, getting the services. We were denied so many years, but we didn't know how to process the paperwork properly. And then you, you have to be shown how to get benefits from the state, you know, in order to get benefits for your child because yeah. you know that she is deserving of that, you know, just like any yes. other child or person that need that has needs for you know developmental issues, you know, and such. So, but how are you doing? I know you have your mother. Yes. But I still feel like you need some professional outlet and advice because mama's going to be biased. I'm we're working and in, looking into getting myself therapy. Um, therapy yeah. out of out of pocket is extremely costly. Yes. Yes. Um, so we're just we're constantly looking, you know, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to say I have an appointment and then they're going to listen to me and I'm going to cry and I'm going to mourn my Oh, the self that had vision and able to progress to my new self without vision. That's what I'm having. Well, I'm no therapist. I'm no therapist, but I'm always trying to be encouraging and remind you of all the fun that we continue to have. I thought I was going to see you this weekend. I know you just recently had a birthday. So happy birthday to you. I love you. Thank you, all. And with all of that fun that we had, so I'm going to wrap this up and tell Dr. Giddings, thank you so much for coming on. I know you have to get back to your patients. Thank you so much for having me. And Nicole, it was a pleasure meeting you. And your daughter, I just wanted to add one last thing with kids with autism, that sensory with food is huh? a part of it too. So if oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> you like something healthy like your daughter, like fish and rice, good for her. Every day, every yeah. single day. <laughs> verbal. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yes, and she's, she becomes more and more verbal every day. She, she surprises us every day. She's, um, it was a little delayed, but it's here. She's, um, it's like I, I, I'd say to my dad, I wish she would call me mama. And now she says mama, mama, mama so much. I'm like, please be quiet. <laughs> With her speech. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Very smart, smart children. Yeah. Sandra, well, thank you so much for having me. I wish I could be here longer. I want to just educate the world about autism so we could make the world just as friendly for them. Absolutely. Of course. You're welcome anytime. All you need to do is just let me know. Okay. All right, love you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Nicole. Bye-bye. So, girl. Yes. I don't know if I told you, but one of our running buddies from back in the day now has a podcast. 
that I've been on a few times since it started. It is called The Conservative Frequency, and the host is Paula J. Parker. Hello, Paula. Hey, Paula. And also on that platform is the rapper Corrupt with a K. Hey, Corrupt. And a sound, no, not a sound, a music producer by the name of Frequency. So all four of us come together every Friday night, and we do this live podcast. And you can find it at P. J.A.I. Parker on all platforms. So I hope you tune in because this conservative me is not really conservative on that one. It's where I am over there. Okay. (laughs) And where I am over there is a lot different from where I am here. So, (laughs) so just be ready. Okay. Because I have multiple people that live up in here and sometimes they come out. I'm aware. I I know. I know you are. (laughs) So I just want to throw that out there every Friday. It's a lot of fun. It's a long podcast, but it is so hilarious and it's really fun. I hope you can tune in. Um, I will do my best. Awesome. So it's where I am.com. I'm your host, Zandra Pollard. Thank you all for listening and. Hope to see you this Friday. Talk to you soon. Love ya. Bye. Love you too.